everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified emotionally focused therapist and soon to be certified EFT supervisor here in fabulous Las Vegas. And we're welcoming back to our show one of our favorite, absolute favorite guests and EFT trainers is Lori Brew Baker. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's an EFT trainer, supervisor, She's the head of the Carolina Center for EFT, and she's out in North Carolina, right? You're in North Carolina? She's in North Carolina. And she's written some of the fabulous books that we have to learn EFT, which she'll talk about at the very end. Um, but we're excited to have Lori with us today to talk about um, emotionally focused therapy for individuals, which is an up and coming topic and training. Thank you again, Lori, for being with us today. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I always appreciate your questions. And it is really cool to be discussing emotionally focused individual therapy. Um, and uh, when I wrote my book on emotionally focused therapy for couples, I did include a chapter, the 12th chapter was on how to extend this model to working with individuals. And the whole book is written from the perspective of a therapist learning the model. So that chapter really began with Emily, her name is, uh, struggling with how do I take what I already know about working with couples from this fabulous model? How do I take that and extend it to working with individuals? And that seems to be, uh, since Sue Johnson's new book, um, Attachment Theory and Practice is uh, including individuals, family, and couples in a very explicit way. Um, it seems to be a common question that therapists all over the world are struggling with right now and, and excitedly struggling with. How do we extend the model to work with individuals? So I've been um, looking at that really for the past 10 or 12 years. And so it's really lovely to be able to share what I've discovered with that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so this is this is exciting because I've found that a lot of therapists sort of don't realize that in a lot of ways they already are working with individuals. You know, when you're working with one half of the couple and you're you're going through their part of the cycle, you know, that's already the start of it. So maybe you could kind of start everyone off and and explain a little bit how it would look differently for individuals than for couples. Right. I, I like what you're saying. And that is right, that when you've been working with a couple, you have already been working with individuals um, without recognizing perhaps how explicitly you've been doing that because we've also been focused on the relational dynamic. Um, so uh, the way I describe it in, in chapter 12 of my book is that Emily suddenly has this epiphany where she realizes, oh, yes, exactly what I've been doing with um with couples, I do with individuals. That is, I focus on attachment. So there's that whole um, depathologizing view of looking at uh, distress and dysfunction or human problems, depression, anxiety, etc. Um, and also a way of looking at the problems and looking at the solutions. So it's a very depathologizing frame to focus on attachment. And then following emotion is what we do with with our couples, so we do that with our individuals as well. And we um, then we, with couples, we are continually setting up what we've called enactments or what Sue calls in her new book, encounters, these interpersonal encounters in session that create corrective emotional experiences. 
So as Emily in this chapter thinks about it, she realizes she can do all three of those with individuals. So that probably brings up the most obvious difference between individual and couple therapy, which is how do we set up encounters in, um, in, in, with individuals? Because we have only one person in the room. We don't have the primary person in their relational context sitting right there. Mm -hmm. So we do shape corrective emotional experiences differently in individual therapy. What we are really doing is we're, uh, we have different dyadic contexts. So, so first of all, there is the context of me as therapy and the client, right? So we, we um, sometimes we shape, like I just yesterday, I know I said to a client, can you look at me right now? Because she was starting to disappear as she talked about feeling so judged. <clears throat> Um, she wasn't talking about feeling judged by me, but she still felt she was recounting feeling judged by others and then disappearing into her own cascade of self-judgment. Mm -hmm. So just looking at me, um, you know, changed her experience. So there's like an encounter between her and me. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to process that encounter with her as well. What's it like to be looking at me right now? You slipped out of that sort of, you know, cascade you were getting caught in mm -hmm. and then we were able to process that encounter as well and she was able to recognize how she you know talk about how she pushes away the support that's being offered so we do that we work with the encounters between therapist and client then we work with encounters between their uh, client and representations of others other attachment mm -hmm. figures most likely so it could be others in their current life but it also could be um, attachment figures who are no longer alive or who no, are no longer present in their lives, like a parent or a grandparent. Or it could also be <clears throat> someone who attacked them. It could be someone who abused them. It could be, you know, so we have those kind of encounters and we do them in safe ways in what fits for the client. And lastly, we have, um, we, we create dyadic interactions between aspects of self. Yeah. So I love, you said so many wonderful things. And let me see if I can slow it down and, and sort of uh, distill some of these really important things that you just covered. So one of the things that I, you know, you said you started off with, which I think is very important is, you know, again, through EFT, we're conceptualizing our clients, they're presenting issues through the attachment lens which we know attachment, and I call it attachment science because with all the research we've proven, it's no longer just a theory, <laughs> right? We know this is a science of attachment, and we know that attachment can basically explain a lot, <laughs> right? And that behaviors, distress can all be conceptualized through the attachment lens. It all makes sense, a lot more sense when we conceptualize it that way. So even though we may not be seeing the uh, couple, we may just be seeing one partner or one person, um, we're still able to conceptualize whether they're coming for depression or anxiety or you know, to work on anger from past relationships or trauma that we're going to just be with that person and view and conceptualize what they bring to us through the attachment lens, just as we would with our couples, which is so, so important. And, you know, even though we don't have, and there are some drawbacks to not working with the couple, and, and we'll talk about that later, but because of the, we're never really not in relationship with anybody, even if we're single, 
we still have family members, friends. And even if we have a limited group, we're still kind of in relationship with humankind in general, you know, society. Well, right. The self is continually being constructed in relation. We are we don't exist outside right. of relationship. So that's right. the relational aspect is always part of who we are. Yes, yes. And so you're saying, you know, we and we do this even as couples is that we may we will model secure attachment as the therapist. And I know some other um, models of counseling kind of scream at that, like, ah, you're creating dependence. No, the point is to transfer the attachment to, you know, appropriate attachment figure out. But um, we are modeling oftentimes we're the only safe attachment experience that they've had or, you know, the first. And we're trying to model that, which really creates and shapes. I love how you use the word shapes that therapeutic alliance which is so essential if they feel like we get them and we empathize with them, that they're in a safe relationship with us, even though it's a professional therapeutic relationship. And, and may I add that it's not only that they feel you get me because this is a collaborative process. So anytime we are empathically attuning and reflecting to a client, they're discovering more about their own experience because one of the, one of the key things that leads to change in EFT is deepening of emotional experiencing. So clients don't always have the words or even the internal capacity to know what they're experiencing. They're operating automatically. So it's not, I, I just think that's so exciting and important for therapists to realize it's not just that I'm showing you, I understand you. Together, we are getting a deeper experience of your, your internal and personal reality that is being changed at every moment. That's right. And, and as you guys have said before, you know, with that secure therapeutic alliance, it creates that safety for the client to explore deeper parts of themselves that they didn't feel safe exploring before. You know, that they didn't so, even have any access to. Yeah, yeah. No. And you know, very similarly to like we would with couples, I, I've often explored a client's own cycle. What happens when you feel this way? What do you do? What's the trigger? Can we explore that a little bit more? Who, you know, I, I'm exploring their attachment frame. Is there anyone there that you can turn to for help? What holds you back? What would it be like? Could you imagine? Could we role play that? <laughs> you know, very similarly to just like you would with a couple. And I've found it when I've started using EFT on my individuals, even my individuals with trauma, it just became so powerful, so powerful of an experience where we were able to make sense of their emotions that had been locked or just, you know, encapsulated around this injury or this trauma that happened and it's it's kind of neat i i call it kind of like freeing these ghosts right like people have these like emotional poltergeists that live inside and when we're able to explore that and make sense of it you kind of see it like <laughs> go away as, as you start to heal in session in the therapeutic relationship and it's just so powerful and awesome yeah, and, and it seems to me that part of um, <clears throat> focus, like using the attachment frame and, and accessing, helping people access and together um, identifying their basic strategies for engaging with, with themselves, with life, with, 
with their emotion uh, with others um, that 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 learning this is how I do life that, that that's really key part of how we um, you know how we really conceptualize individual distress right so that right so people block their emotions in different ways, right? The basic attachment strategies are to hyperactivate and make mountains out of molehills, as someone might say, or to deactivate, to numb out, and kind of disappear from self and others. So these are just normal separation distress responses when people don't have a secure other to go to or don't know how to send a clear message to another who may be available to them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the the depathologizing and also the relief for therapists to know that our job isn't immediately to fix. First, our job is to step into the world and as stage one with EFT is to notice what happens. What is the basic stuck pattern that you're caught in? And so that there's, there's like, you know, that is, as you're saying, that's really the first change event. Oh yeah, this is what I do. You're there for me and I'm pushing you away. I come close and call to you and then when you respond, I push you away. I get caught in this kind of push-pull, this kind of um, you know, fearful avoidance, for example. So we're helping people recognize what they do and what pattern they're stuck in and without judgment, with awareness. And then we're helping them notice or they're helping us notice that for them it works this way, not only between the two of us in therapy, this is what happens out there in the world with my significant other, this is what happens internally. I immediately go from I'm afraid of what's going to happen to judging myself and then getting lost in that, for example. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, so really using those EFT core skills and values of curiosity and empathy, you know, exploring that with them in an empathic way, helping them feel that safety and just being, being with that person and tracking their own cycle with that curiosity, noticing what happens for them, what emotions come up, what do they do, what are their moves in that whole cycle. Right, and when, when uh, Sue Johnson you know, is simplifying all of this, what we do in the, in the model of EFT to the basic macro intervention of the moves or what she calls the tangle or the five basic moves and the first basic move is this reflecting the present process which is what you and I are just talking about now so we're able to do it in a depathologizing way because we have the attachment frame um, and because we know that as Bowlby said people do to themselves what's been done to them so we have these repetitive patterns throughout different relationships so that's that first move of the tango is where we're reflecting that process in a non-judgmental way. And then from there, we move into to the next move of the tango, which is, um, which is assembling that emotional experience. And you were just, um, you know, alluding to that move, really, when you say we kind of identify what's the cue, what starts this cascade, what's the... Um, you know, for some client, it's just, you know, oh, it's my birthday. That's the anniversary of my mother's death. Like one of my training videos has that example, right? The client is immediately has, so that's the trigger. The immediate um, sort of pre-verbal perception is panic and numbing out, right? So there's the trigger, there's the initial perception. Then there's the bodily reaction to this emotion, which is a hollow emptiness inside. 
And then there's the meaning she makes, which is, I've got to let go of this. I'm holding on too tight. I've got to let go of mom. She's never coming back. I have to live like life without her. And then her action impulse, which is to try to move on. Her other action impulse, which is really debilitating, is she isolates herself. Right, so that's what we do in move, move two of the tango. We assemble the emotion until we can access the core, which in this case is actually starts to be pain. And realizing this empty, hollow feeling is more than just emptiness. It's pain. It's anguish at how much I miss her. And as we stay with that and deepen it, it actually shifts into some anger towards mom for leaving. But there's, and so then we move into the third move, which is turning and speaking to an image of her mom in her mind. And we, we set that up and she pictures her mom on the sofa where she used to always jump on her. And, and <clears throat> then she's afraid to speak to her mother. She's afraid to tell her mother she's angry with her for dying. So we stay with that until she recognizes her mother would laugh at her and say, that's okay, you can be angry with me. So we have this really moving encounter where she speaks to her mother, she hears back from her in her imagination. Then we go into the fourth move where we, where we process that new way of interacting with her emotional experience. And it's a new, um, what does Sue call it in her new book? She calls it... Um, um, uh, reshaping the defining inner dramas, right? So things start to shift and she starts to experience that she's safe, feeling the depth of her emotion with that key attachment figure. And then as we um, integrate and summarize what in the last move of that process, she's like, oh, yes, I, I have been pulling away from everyone, even the people that are available. And now she's getting the experience from her mom, from her image of mom, from that bond which is still alive, it's okay to reach out to others. You can trust reaching out to others. So it's really um, a basic macro intervention that takes us through the model and we go through that in every session. That's so beautiful and it's so powerful and it feels so moving even as you say that. And you know, clients where I've worked through that as well, I sometimes I'll assign them like their homework assignment. I'll say, what would it be like to go home? Like we pick a, a safe attachment figure to try it out on. And I ask, I sort of set up an enactment for them to go do with that, um, uh, with that secure attachment figure. And I have them come back next week and tell me about it. And it's really cool because even from afar, I've been able to help these individuals shape their attachment bonds with their spouses or their close others. Cause now they're starting to open up and it's deepening that relationship. Cause I've often found what they'll say is that their partners are saying, Oh, I've, I've always wanted to know more. I thought there was something going on, but it didn't seem like you wanted to talk about it and I didn't want to push, but I'm so glad you can open up to me. And they were just so comforting and soothing and it was really beautiful. <laughs> like, awesome. Mm. What was that experience like? <laughs> you mm. know? Yeah. 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 yeah so and then, I, oh, go ahead. But you go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you did mention you probably wanted to get to this later, but I was just, I keep thinking of wanting to mention that um, as EFT therapists, we, we, work with relationships when we can like like if they're if someone is coming and talking about the distress of their of their um couple relationship for example we're going to um encourage them and pursue 
what blocks there are to them inviting their partner to come along because clearly it you know it's a most impactful experience to have both partners in the room together um, but there are occasions where that's not an option and and I think what so just to make that clear because I think sometimes therapists are afraid of doing couple therapy so they they may listen to this and say oh great I can just work with one partner and then maybe I can work with the other partner but I don't have to have so I mean I know that you know that but I just wanted to mention that that EFT yeah. with individuals is for those situations where it is not possible to work in the um, with the couple, or on occasion, it's that they are already in EFT couple therapy and um, right. have requested some additional work on their own. Um, yeah, and that's that's important too because you know in these cases where I've seen the individuals, you know, their spouse has had you know a, a kind of job where they travel a lot, where it's just not possible for them to make sessions. And I know I I can kind of like hear the vibe from the universe of EFT are saying, but what if it's not a couple issue? So this is the important thing though, is that insecure in, in secure attachment. <laughs> I don't want to say those too fast because they may think I'm talking about insecure attachment. <laughs> Part of secure attachment is being able to reach and rely emotionally on our secure other. And as Sue has always said, it, you know, we will always have dragons to face, right? But when we have a secure relationship, we don't have to face them alone. And when I find these, these individuals that come in and they're struggling, a lot of them are struggling alone. They're not opening up. And I want to get curious about that as to what holds them back from being able to reach and rely on their partner as a resource for them for comfort and soothing when they go into distress. So while I'm also working with them individually to, you know, connect the dots, to make sense, to explore, to do these things more in depth. I also want to help them, you know, build that secure connection around them, their secure attachment network. But you know, as you said, sometimes they're already in couples work, which is fabulous. And, you know, I've had a lot of therapists question me this as well. Okay. So, you're seeing the couple and one person wants more work. What are you doing with them? And I always draw that boundary that we're working on your part and your stuff. You know, if this is relational, I'm helping you own your part and explore what's happening for you. And, and sometimes it really is helpful because when you're working with a couple, you got to create that balance and you're not able to spend as much time with that one person as they really need, because there are some other stuff that comes up that really needs some, um, extra attention but you know we I always want to pay attention to their attachment network so that they have a secure attachment figure around that they can go to as a source of bonding mm -hmm. and comfort and soothing and what really compelled me to explore EFIT um, was those clients who do not have a secure attachment figure in their life who are not in a primary relationship who are single and um, have had experiences such that there's really no one to rely on, that, that at least in their world it feels that way. And that at times there will be, well, there was that grade four teacher that, that did this to me, you know, that taught me how to do something or that, you know, the, you know, my first university professor who believed in me. There are sometimes those people that can really be um, 
drawn on as you know or a grandmother who died when you were four but i still go to her gravesite like so sometimes we really do have to um look um explore with them deeply who there is to count on but you know sometimes you have clients who basically say no no nothing no one i just feel completely abandoned in the world and um, and you are the only one that I have even shared any of this with. And so that can be, I know from personal experience, that can be quite wearing because you're like, oh my, you know, you want to sort of let them move into your house and take care of them. And, you know, you absolutely can't do that because, you know, it's yeah. not going to but that's how I find this approach really yes. so helpful because it's not only about, it's not first of all changing things, it's first of all, it's first of all reflecting the present process and how one is stuck and who and and moving from there so i think it takes yeah. a load off of our like how can i can't change this all you're depressed you're anxious all that you know to do is to you know get caught up in your current obsessions but i'll be with you in that and maybe it means grieving the losses of people that had been and are no longer alive maybe it means processing the guilt that one feels for for someone's death or and so yeah. that starts yeah. to shift and people begin to experience um interpersonal resources that um shift that's extremely important that you bring that up, which brings me to part of my next um, thought on this was the drawbacks. Sometimes, you know, one of the drawbacks is when you see that this is a relational issue and their partner refuses to come into couples therapy and it's not a safe situation and eventually you can, you run into a head there and, and that's really difficult. And the other is when you have somebody who's single um, and actually refuses to build a secure network outside of you or like, you know, I had a client who was going through a divorce and I understand, you know, the, the trauma of divorce and that's what we were going over. But her pattern over her life was that other people were not safe. And so she was adamant about, I don't want to go make friends. I don't need friends. I can just cling on to my children and my children are going to be my life raft, but yet when the kids want to go to like sleepaway camp or to their friend's house, then it causes a lot of distress and she's feeling abandoned and, you know, really alone and lonely. So, so then the challenge, the challenge for you as therapist is do I get caught in imposing my agenda on her, which is you should make other friends perhaps, and, or do I move close to her current experience and go into that experience of saying, I don't want to broaden my circle. I don't want to make any more friends. I don't trust people because they're going to hurt me. I just want to stay close to my kids. And I want you to understand how freaky it is when they go to camp. Right. So that's where the therapist can easily get caught up into trying to get her to do yeah. something which will be better versus move close to, you know, where she is, what she's doing, what her longings are, because if we can move close to people's current emotional, core emotional experience, which, which means reflecting where they're at for a while and maybe challenging us to not try to change them, and then assembling their emotion. When people can access their core emotion, the emotion pulls them in new directions. The emotion says, um, 
like yeah, either the emotion accesses a longing of wanting something different, but it may not be the difference that we thought would be good for them. Yeah. Or or they access an awareness that hey, this really isn't this is stupid. Like they might say, This is stupid, I shouldn't be doing it this way. And one of the things we do in EFT is we reframe. And I think we often reframe that this isn't a very good way to mm -hmm. it's almost like you're saying I long, I know there must be another way. But so we take people's experience. We don't put it ours on them. We take their experience of what sounds like sometimes is very explicitly self-judgment. Like I'm not doing this a good way. But we can reframe that into it's almost like you're saying or longing to find another way or saying there must be another way. So yeah. they, yeah, there must be another way. So then we're, we're it's a, still a bottom-up experience from within their Place rather than coming from yeah. us because we all know how frustrating it can be to think yes you know we know solutions do x y and z but that's not the solution mm -hmm. that comes from within their core emotion that's right, that's right. Their I, love, I love how you phrase that and that is so important because you know even with this client you know um and that was that was just part of it was exploring who's in your network who do you turn to you know, understanding where my client was and that, and that was it. And so I really had, you know, I love how you said that to be really careful to not, um, you know, and we can even do this in the couple session. We can get kind of anxious and say, but don't you know, this is a better way and, and trying mm -hmm. to like scoop them into being fixed. And then we, we don't empathize and attune to their present attachment dilemma in their, their present attachment pain, which is, people are scary, right? And, and, you know, I love how you say we're, you know, if we kind of push them in that direction, and they resist, it's because we're asking them to do something they're not ready to do. And that's really the definition of how EFT conceptualizes blocks or resistance is, we're just asking them to do something they're not quite ready. And we can't force them, we have to come alongside them and empathize with them in attune to where they are now and not try to force those solutions on them that that empathy that seeing them and showing up for them exactly where they're at is part of you know just as always that emotional connection is what helps them start to look inside as to oh are, are is this actually effective for i'm saying i long for connection but i can't get it when i'm limiting myself you know but we have to help them come to that their own conclusion rather than us trying to put our our own thing on them which is so important that you said that yeah and when we think of that basically eft is about following emotion and reshaping strategies for engagement um and we think of the stages of change the first stage of change is really deepening that awareness getting the kind of stabilization of this is my basic uh, pattern this is how i tend to do things without judgment on it, just awareness. And then we're able to follow the process through stage two of it, helping them reshape what they do. So that it's, it's never really uh, just a cognitive awareness of do I want to do it differently. It comes more from a new experience of doing yeah. it in session. Because with, um, with EFT, we're creating corrective emotional experiences in every session, even if it's a small corrective emotional experience, so that um, the client experiences themselves and their view of other in a slightly new way, and that carries out into their experience. 
And I love how you say that. And so I want to just reflect that back because um, this was something that it took me a while to figure out. Um, and sort of the light bulb came on during, and I've, you know, helped with probably five or six externships, but as you guys have, have grown as well and, and reshaped your guys's trainings and they've just become more and more awesome. I realized in the last one that, that the trainer was talking about state dependent learning. And that's what we're really trying to do is when we're trying to get them into that, um, into the emotion, right? That's why it does no good to talk about just have them understand their cycle or talk about their cycle with the couple together or just in session individually from a cognitive place because this is an emotional state and if we can't get them to experience to be in that emotional state to be grounded in it with us they won't have a corrective emotional experience they'll be in their head on the cognitive level and it's not the quite the level that they need to be at remember as Sue always says we need to shift the levels right to the emotional level where that corrective emotional experience will happen. You can't have a corrective emotional experience from a cognitive space. So right, I love so that. We, and we have very, um, you know, we have some pretty clear guidance in the model, right? Like mm -hmm. um, uh, getting people to experience emotion, as you said, isn't really just that we're getting them there. We're, and it's not just about feeling, right? It's that emotion is a feeling, meaning, action process. So we listen uh, with the curiosity, like you said earlier, like what's the cue, what triggers, what starts this emotional experience for you? And, you know, and then we, we help them put, sort of put those elements together. Some people aren't aware of feeling words but they're very aware that this is what triggers it for them and that they know what they immediately feel like doing. So those are, those are the two key pieces of emotion to start with then. It's like, this is what, you know, I get this phone call or I see I've got this email from this person and I'm, in, I'm in immediately, you know, shutting down, panicking, and, or maybe they don't even notice panic, but they just know they're ready to, you know, um, you know, respond in a way that, that they are stuck with responding to continually. Maybe just saying, I'm not looking at my email for the rest of the night. Or So, and then when we stay with those elements, then we can help them open to their own inner experience, which for, for many people is actually a very risky process to do. Mm -hmm. Whether they're the ones who are really anxious or whether they're more likely shut down a lot, to actually slow down, um, and one of the ways we to uh, slow down and do that, d discover that, put that out there, put that out there in words can be um, both threatening and also empowering. Right. And one of the ways we also do it is with images, right? And I have in my in my book, I have these examples of sort of just helping, you know, reading these little examples of, of different strategies that people use, right? So the more... An, an image that a really anxious, hyperactivating client uses. Um, she talks about it just bleeds into everything. This sense of judgment eats away and doesn't stop. Right. So it's just like those are images that you just stay with. And even if they didn't have words for the whole experience, when you explore the images, it becomes alive. Or an avoidant person says, every barb and comment from others destroys me on the inside. But I don't let it show. I put myself out there as self-assured and confident, but I'm not. 
So, you know, those words, if they're spoken in kind of a detached manner, we might just like, oh yeah, but now if we realize what we've just heard and we stay with that, it really can deepen into um, their experience and that means it can deepen into how they're, how they're coping with that and then we can open into a whole range of exploration and towards change. My favorite is that, um, you know, a person who discovers this, um, you know, that there's all this underlying rage and hatred um, that has been so um, efficiently blocked, right? Has never, and, and then um, there's this image of, like, I just, want to I just want transformation. I just want to get away from this now that I know it's there, right? I mean, that's a common thing you hear from people. Like, now that I know I'm feeling, like, I don't want to feel this, let's just get away from it. Let's fix it quick. And this um, image a client used was, I feel like a wounded animal. There's an injury that needs to be healed, but it hurts so badly the animal won't let you near to touch the area and fix it. Like that's so graphic. There's so much you explore that. And, you know, you get all the fears of letting someone in, the, the fear of knowing that you need someone to come close, but all the dangers that that could mean, and the awareness that there is uh, the injury that they can start to express at least safely to you. So I have a question as you say this, that it was so important. So as you're in a session with an individual, this encounter this in couples too, but as you're with this individual and you're, you're really trying to heighten or deepen their emotional experience and explore and go into the images when they, they, sort of start to dig in and say, you know, why is this so important for me to be emotional? Like, why is it, Yeah. why, why is it such a big deal for me to feel this right here in session? Why can't I just, why isn't talking about it just enough? What would you say? Right. Well, that's a really good question that I have this little acronym T, which I did a summit presentation on and it's chapter two of my book about our, about our um, uh, interaction interventions, sorry, that we use in EFT, but T is about the therapeutic alliance, particularly the task element of the alliance. So we have this um, predictors of change research that tells us that's one of the most important elements of alliance in EFT. So that's what you're talking about. Why are we doing this? I don't really, I just want you to fix me. I want you to help me get over this. So why are you slowing down to listen to me tell you about how um, how I don't want to let you close to touch me. I don't want you to feel with me. I just want to make it all better. Why are we doing this? Right? So, so then my job will be to let you know. Right? So I will say to you, well, we just, you were just saying to me, um, I, I need an example in my mind here, but uh, let me just see if I can. Uh, you were, you know, you were just saying to me, uh, when I, uh, you know, when I start to to feel angry, you know, when when my anger impatience pops up, um, I I find that I start uh, I start yelling at my kids, and I don't want to do that anymore. And then you were telling me because now I'm referring to the process of assembling emotion, which we would have done before I'm deepening it, right? So then I'm saying, well, you were telling me that you know that what really happens inside for you is you get this. Um, you get this pain in here, and it reminds you of, of um, how badly you've been treated by others way back when, and you just push it away quickly. 
and and you're just saying i've got to be patient i've got to be patient i don't want to yell at my kids you're telling me and that there's all this turmoil that stirs around inside that you're trying to ignore and what i'm wanting to do with you is make a safe place for you to say lori it is this bad i'm still haunted by this and i've been trying to shut it down for years and it's popping out all over the place and that's what I'm doing with you now is I'm moving close to make it a safe place. I want to move I fit I want to move close to your experience with you. And I I mean that's kind of explaining what I do, but I just had the other day that ex that experience where I said to a client, I want to move close to this turmoil with you. And they just flooded with tears. I wasn't sure what I had done, like you know, and and they said that just touches me so much that you want to come close to this messy experience with me. Right. And I had, a, you know, so that's, that's important. People have every right. I'd say, thanks. Thank you for asking because you need to, you need to know it needs to feel okay for you that we're doing what we're doing. And we're asking people to, to deepen their emotion, which doesn't feel very good. We're asking people to do these, have these imaginal conversations with others that feels you know, odd. And so they have every reason to say, why are we doing this? So whenever that comes up, we might have a moment of, uh-oh, how am I going to describe this? How am I going to move close to, you're not comfortable with this, and I want to let you know what what I am doing with you so that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you mentioned um, tea, because I actually had emailed Sue a while ago and said, you know, I figured out that, you know, um, grounding in emotion and, and deepening and heightening emotion is a lot like tea. And I kind of described this to my supervisees in EFT is that when you make tea, you don't just put the bag in there for a second and then pull it out, right? You let it steep. And so when it steeps, right, it sits in the hot water and it percolates and the longer you let it sit in there, you get the bold, robust, rich flavors of what you want to taste, right? <laughs> so that's, that's the that is interesting. That is interesting because I just came up with that as, as an acronym for, for um, the task aspect of the Therapeutic Alliance. E for emotional depth and A for affiliative interactions. But yeah, there is something really... Um, uh, charming about your ex example there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we want to help steep them in that emotional experience so we get the bold, rich, robust flavors of their emotion. <laughs> that way we know they're really grounded in it and we've got them. That's, that's so awesome. I love that you have that. So the, so, T, so the first one was task and then the it was T is the, th the therapeutic alliance, the task aspect of the therapeutic alliance. Like this was taking process and predictors of change research and putting it together as the three key elements that are needed for change in EFT. So we need there to be the, um, the, the, the therapeutic alliance, the E for emotional depth. The depth of emotional experiencing is predictive of change. And then um, A is the affiliative interaction. So affiliative interactions are basically the encounters or enactments that we shape in session. Um, that uh, that we, we shape, we, we invite a client to imagine um, the other or an aspect of self. Um, <laughs> 
I, I like I found in people learning EFT they're quick to move to um, the intrapsychic um, dialogue. So I really like to in, in my training focus on the interpersonal dialogues because we are shaped in relation and people can get kind of lose the systemic aspect if they just get focused in on you know talk to your inner judge and tell the judge uh, you know. So I try to to uh, to shape interpersonal um, encounters when possible, but we do both. Right. So we shape the interactions. We imagine, like the example I just gave, you know, can you imagine, you know, your parent, what do they look like, um, you know, as you close your eyes and, and picture them there and speak to them and uh, um, imagine hearing back from them. So we shape it. Then, So we bring it alive by shaping the, and using the anticipation of, of speaking to them just like we do in couple work. Um, and then we... We slow down to process what was it like to say that thing that you were frightened of saying they may say it out loud or they imagine they may just imagine saying it um, but we we gauge whether repeating it again or saying it out loud we gauge whether that will be important um, and uh, so and then after doing that we process the experience like how what it was like to to do that and, and what this experience of putting words to some um, uh, formerly sort of undistilled emotional blob or soup what what this is like and what's it like to imagine a response back from this other person and so we integrate these kind of conflicting parts and you know, get to a new strength. Uh, speaking of acronyms, we, EFIT, I think Sue uh, has, I've heard her talk about how she likes the acronym EFIT because of the fit, that it kind of, it implies that when we do this work, people become more resilient, like secure attachment, people are more resilient, more fit, more resourceful, more um, self-confident, all these really um, key things that go with emotional fitness. So. <laughs> That's great. That's so beautiful. I yeah. love it. E-fit, and it's easy to remember. And I took a note on the T acronym when you were talking because it was so good. So, gosh, Lori, this is just so wonderful. And you've mentioned some training tapes. Do you have training tapes about E-fit? Um, I I have a few. They aren't posted yet on my book website, um, but I have a few that will be going up shortly. Um, my book website is uh, um, stepping into EFT, all one word. And um, you can find, uh, there will be videos there shortly. And um, Sue has um, a training video now available through ISAFT. So I put together a little um, document of things, and it includes the link for ISAFT of the video that she's done. I believe that Leanne Campbell is making a video or doing one other one with Sue. And, um, yeah, and I have made so this. Sue list. has any. Perfect. So Sue has an eFit video already available on ISEFT? That's correct. Cool. And then yours is coming out soon. Yes. And possibly one from Leanne Campbell. And I will put the just the link for your website and your book in the description for this video, guys. So that way you can just click right in and, and order her book and check that out and go to her website. Now, can if folks want to um, book you to come out to their EFT community and do an eFit training, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they see other work that you've done? Yeah, well, my website, um, I, there's, I have a few websites. One is lbrubaker.com. So that has all of my EFIT trainings coming up listed on it. And um, there's also the Carolina Center for EFT. That, oh, that has my um, 
the, the EFIT training I'll be doing in Greensboro in January. Um, and um, so my email is um, probably on my website, so that should be a way to contact me. It's laurie at lbrubaker.com. So that's L-O-R-R-I-E at L-B-R-U-B-A-C-H-E-R.com. And um, on the on the list of resources that I sent to you that you will be posting, I also listed four publications on EFIT. Um, two by Sue. The the latter one is her newest book, which has two chapters. But I would you know really the first five chapters are helpful in terms of learning about EFIT, and um, a two thousand and nine chapter that she had as well is listed there. And then I have an article in twenty seventeen, and I have a chapter in my twenty eighteen book. And then I also put a link to an unpublished um, article I have on distinguishing Sue's model, emotionally focused therapy, from um, from the process experiential or, or Les Greenberg's emotion focused therapy. So sometimes that's a question that comes up. So I thought that might be of relevance to people watching this as well. Excellent. And so I will put those links in the description for this video, guys. Gosh, Lori, thank you so much. And we're so excited to read your book, to get more information on eFit. This is just absolutely fabulous. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, it was lots of fun. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Welcome. And bye thank bye. you to our viewers. Make sure that all of you guys hit subscribe because more episodes are on the way. <laughs>